Section 12 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. 1748 Letter 24 January 2nd, Old Style, 1748 Dear boy, I am edified with the allotment of your time at Leipzig, which is so well employed from morning till night that a fool would say you had none left for yourself, whereas I am sure you have sense enough to know that such a right use of your time is having it all to yourself. Nay, it is even more, for it is laying it out to immense interest, which, in a very few years, will amount to a prodigious capital. Though twelve of your fourteen, commenso, may not be the liveliest people in the world, and may want, as I easily conceive that they do, le temps de la bonne compagnie et les grâces, which I wish you, yet pray take care not to express any contempt, or throw out any ridicule, which I can assure you is not more contrary to good manners than to good sense, but endeavour rather to get all the good you can out of them, and something or other is to be got out of everybody. They will at least improve you in the German language, and as they come from different countries, you may put them upon subjects, concerning which they must necessarily be able to give you some useful informations. Let them be ever so dull or disagreeable in general." They will know something at least of the laws, customs, government, and considerable families of their respective countries, all which are better known than not, and consequently not worth inquiring into. There is hardly anybody good for everything, and there is scarcely anybody who is absolutely good for nothing. A good chemist will extract some spirit or other out of every substance, and a man of parts will, by his dexterity and management, elicit something worth knowing out of every being he converses with. As you have been introduced to the Duchess of Cortland, pray go there as often as ever your more necessary occupations will allow you. I am told she is extremely well-bred, and has parts. Now, though I would not recommend to you to go into women's company in search of solid knowledge or judgment, yet it has its use in other respects, for it certainly polishes the manners, and gives une certaine tournure, which is very necessary in the course of the world, and which Englishmen have generally less of than any people in the world. I cannot say that your suppers are luxurious, but you must own that they are solid, and a quart of soup and two pounds of potatoes will enable you to pass the night without any great impatience for your breakfast next morning. One part of your supper, the potatoes, is the constant diet of my old friends and countrymen. Footnote. Lord Chesterfield, from the time he was appointed Lord Lieutenant of Ireland, 1775, used always to call the Irish his countrymen. End footnote. The Irish who are the healthiest and the strongest bodies of men that I know in Europe. As I believe that many of my letters to you and to Mr. Hart have miscarried, as well as some of yours and his to me, particularly one of his from Leipzig, to which he refers in a subsequent one, and which I never received, I would have you for the future acknowledge the dates of all the letters which either of you shall receive from me, and I will do the same on my part." That which I received by the last mail from you was of the 25th November new style. The mail before that brought me yours, of which I have forgot the date, but which enclosed one to Lady Chesterfield. She will answer it soon, and in the meantime thanks you for it. My disorder was only a very great cold, of which I am entirely recovered. You shall not complain for want of accounts from Mr. Grevenkop, who will frequently write you whatever passes here, in the German language and character, which will improve you in both. Adieu. Letter 25. London, January 15th, Old Style, 1748. Dear boy, 
I willingly accept the New Year's gift which you promised me for next year, and the more valuable you make it, the more thankful I shall be. That depends entirely upon you, and therefore I hope to be presented every year with a new edition of you, and more correct than the former, and considerably enlarged and amended. Since you do not care to be an assessor of the imperial chamber, and that you desire an establishment in England, what do you think of being Greek professor at one of our universities? It is a very pretty sinecure, and requires very little knowledge, much less than, I hope, you have already of that language. If you do not approve of this, I am at a loss to know what else to propose to you, and therefore desire that you will inform me what sort of destination you propose for yourself, for it is now time to fix it, and take our measures accordingly. Mr. Hart tells me that you set up for a— if so, I presume it is in the view of succeeding me in my office as a Secretary of State, which I will very willingly resign to you, whenever you shall call upon me for it. But if you intend to be the— or the— there are some trifling circumstances upon which you should previously take your resolution. The first of which is to be fit for it, and then, in order to be so, make yourself master of ancient and modern history and languages to know perfectly the constitution and form of government of every nation, the growth and the decline of ancient and modern empires, and to trace out and reflect upon the causes of both, to know the strength, the riches, and the commerce of every country. These little things, trifling as they may seem, are yet very necessary for a politician to know, and which therefore, I presume, you will condescend to apply yourself to. There are some additional qualifications necessary in the practical part of business, which may deserve some consideration in your leisure moments, such as an absolute command of your temper, so as not to be provoked to passion upon any account, patience to hear frivolous, impertinent, and unreasonable applications, with address enough to refuse without offending, or by your manner of granting to double the obligation, dexterity enough to conceal a truth without telling a lie, sagacity enough to read other people's countenances, and serenity enough not to let them discover anything by yours, a seeming frankness with a real reserve. These are the rudiments of a politician. The world must be your grammar. Three mails are now due from Holland, so that I have no letters from you to acknowledge. I therefore conclude with recommending myself to your favor and protection when you succeed. Yours. Letter 26. London, January 29th, Old Style, 1748. Dear boy, I find by Mr. Hart's last letter that many of my letters to you and him have been frozen up on their way to Leipzig. The thaw has, I suppose, by this time set them at liberty to pursue their journey to you, and you will receive a glut of them at once. Hudibras alludes, in this verse, like words congealed in northern air, to a vulgar notion, that in Greenland words were frozen in their utterance, and that upon a thaw a very mixed conversation was heard in the air, of all those words set at liberty. This conversation was, I presume, too various and extensive to be much attended to, and may not that be the case of half a dozen of my long letters when you receive them all at once? I think that I can eventually answer that question, thus. If you consider my letters in their true light, as conveying to you the advice of a friend, who sincerely wishes your happiness and desires to promote your pleasure, you will both read and attend to them, but if you consider them in their opposite and very false light, as the dictates of a morose and sermonizing father, I am sure they will be not only unattended to, but unread. Which is the case, you can best tell me. Advice is seldom welcome, 
and those who want it the most always like it the least. I hope your want of experience, of which you must be conscious, will convince you that you want advice, and that your good sense will incline you to follow it. Tell me how you pass your leisure hours at Leipzig, and I have too good an opinion of you to think that, at this age, you would desire more. Have you assemblies or public spectacles, and of what kind are they? Whatever they are, see them all. Seeing everything is the only way not to admire anything too much. If you ever take up little tale-books to amuse you by snatches, I will recommend two French books, which I have already mentioned. They will entertain you, but not without some use to your mind and your manners. One is La Manière de bien penser dans l'ouvrage de Spirit, written by Père Bonheur. I believe you read it once in England, with M. Coderc, but I think you will do well to read it again, as I know of no book that will form your taste better. The other is L'Art de plaire dans la conversation, by the Abbé de Bellegarde, and is by no means useless, though I will not pretend to say, that the art of pleasing can be reduced to a receipt. If it could, I am sure that receipt would be worth purchasing at any price. Good sense and good nature are the principal ingredients, and your own observation and the good advice of others must give the right color and taste to it. Adieu. I shall always love you as you shall deserve. End of section 12. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.